This podcast is brought to you by Stella Artois. When you're planning to enjoy everything Houston has to offer, especially all the great restaurants in our city, start with Estella. Whether you're going to eat with friends or solo, start with Estella. Stella Artois. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. This is the episode where we talk about some news in the restaurant world and also share some opinions on a newly opened restaurant. To do that, I am joined by my co-host this week. He is a Houston hospitality veteran and a co-founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival. Michael Fulmer, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, the Houston Chronicle has released its 2023 list of Houston's top 100 restaurants. Now, in the past, I've done a whole long article breakdown analysis of this list. I've been, I've been, I've praised it in some aspects. I've been critical of it in others. Uh, Frankly, Michael, I just, I don't have the energy. So instead of, (laughs) instead of doing all that, you and I are going to spend the next five or 10 minutes talking about this. And then I'm going to move on with my life and uh, I'll stop. Uh, I'll stop answering the, the DMS and text messages I've been getting since this list came out last week. So I like it. Let's just start with the top 10, just very briefly. Number one, Little's Oyster Bar. Number two, Totemo. Three, Street to Kitchen. Four, March. Five, Hamsa. Six, Theodore Rex. Seven, June. Eight, MF Sushi. Nine, Tim Hoan. And 10, Truth Barbecue. I know I kind of sped through that, but again, this is all on the Houston Chronicle website, and I'll I'll link to it in the article uh, that accompanies this episode for people. But shouldn't be that hard to find. Uh, Michael, let's just let's just talk about number one, Little's Oyster Bar. This is the upscale seafood restaurant from Pappas Restaurants. It opened in May. You've been to Little's. I've been to Little's. Are you surprised that this is the Chronicle's choice as Houston's best restaurant? Well, I'm absolutely surprised. Now, do I think it's worthy of being on the list? Do I think if it's worthy of being in the top 20? I absolutely do. You know, number one, I I wouldn't put it there, but this is their list. Um, I, I guess part of it is I think of, like, when I think, well, when you say, hey, what is the best restaurant? I think of someplace that, you know, takes a few risks and meets those risks. You know, it has a, has a greater ambition. And... Littles, though, you know, it, it goes for excellence to be sure. And it's it's caviar program is something of a wonder, you know, um, I don't I, I see it as a more safe place. I see it as a more safe choice in some ways. Um, and so while I'm excited for the place and, I, and my experience there was nothing short of outstanding. Um, yeah, I'm, I am surprised. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with all of that. You know, I've been there. I think three or four times I've had, I've had delicious meals there, you know, and, and I don't, I don't have, uh, I don't have objective service experiences, though. I will say the service has been uh, very outstanding. I like the wine list. I like the cocktail program. I love the renovations to that building. I think they did a good job. I think the food is tasty. I think the menu is compelling, lots of good choices, but at no time when I was sitting in that dining room, did I think, man, this is Houston's best restaurant. Like it just, it just hasn't occurred to me. And, and you say that 
you know, in some ways it is kind of a risk for it's it's very different for Pappas. You know, they made a big deal. They brought in they brought in that uh, chef Jason Reischak from from California. They they made a big deal about he's the executive chef. He worked hand in hand with the Pappas R and D team to develop this kind of quirky menu with with grouper and like you said, they put a big focus on caviar. And and it's you know it it doesn't have right it doesn't it's not it's not little Pappas reborn right it doesn't have fried shrimp it doesn't have fried oysters it 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 you know the only they they do that chicken fried snapper but it's this big kind of shareable entree so so for Pappas it's it's kind of a big risk and I and I'm happy to see them be recognized and rewarded for taking that risk because they did pull it off so successfully but yeah this doesn't. It it just it never occurred to me that this would be the best restaurant in Houston. Yeah, I I don't know how much of it's a big risk for them in the sense that I mean generally what they go for is for volume. Uh, you know they tend to go for quality, but they tend to go for big volume, and it's a smaller place in that respect. Um, you know, I, my hats off to the whole team that put it together uh, and that runs it. Uh, one of the things I felt that was very compelling was that, you know, I dined at their oyster bar and I, I, I don't even want to sit at a table after that experience. The service was so good. I had such a good time there that I'd always want to sit there. And that that speaks well to how well they're executing. But Houston doesn't really have that. We don't really Houston doesn't really have that upper end, you know, Michelin three star kind of reality. We don't have the the Le Bernardin, you know, Atelier Cren kind of thing that would be, you know, kind of a almost clearly a, in the discussion or maybe even a consensus for being at the top. And in some ways, that's a great thing about Houston dining is that, you know, there's not that kind of affectation of high end dining is that it's more accessible. It's more egalitarian. But that makes it more problematic to say, like, who's number one? Um, so yes, it, uh, this choice is a bit of a head scratcher and that's what they've chosen to do. It's their list personally, uh, you know, Tatsumo being number two, I'm really good with that because Tatsumo is amazing and what they, everything that they do and their commitment is, it, it's just on a whole nother level. Um, I probably, for me, I would have chosen either street to kitchen or June. Some you know, I've had discussion with friends. Hey, it's too early for June. They're only been here a couple months, but June makes their list. And I think June is the kind of place that it, it has a uniqueness to it. It has a personality to it. It excels on to me, every level of, you know, service of food of interesting menu, all of those things. Um, that would have been my choice. Yeah, I think I think June is definitely in the mix. I agree with you about Totemo. You know, I had the I went back for the tasting menu in the last couple of months and I was just blown away again by, you know, the unbelievable corn flavor that Chef Emmanuel and his team get in those tortillas, quesadillas, all the different dishes that they make, and and the creativity and their use of ingredients. I mean, I had a a tempura fried cod, uh fish taco that just the crispiness of the fish, the the salsa, the all the little components were were so thoughtful and so tasty. I, you know, I think that's probably my pick. And and I think that that to your point is, you know, without that kind of there there isn't maybe an obvious choice. And it does kind of come down to personal taste. I mean, if you wanted that kind of Michelin style ambition, service, refinement, you know, your choice would probably be March, right? That yeah, that March or La Dernier, yeah, you know, exactly. that that operates kind of at that, you know, one star, two star kind of level with the 
the museum quality art and the custom furniture and the very elegant, you know, linens and silverware and, you know, the very refined tasting menu and the incredible wine cellar and all that stuff. So if you were, if you were just going for, if that were the the criteria, right, what is the, what is the most polished fine dining experience? That is the best restaurant. Then it would yeah, be March. That, that would be a home run. Right. I agree. I agree. So I, I, I mean, and I, and I think, and I think, if the Chronicle wanted to sort of play it safe, they could have said March is the best restaurant in Houston. Everybody would have sort of said, "Yep, that makes sense." But, but what's the fun in that, Daddy? As as someone who who writes lists like this, <laughs> I mean, you know, the whole point is to get people talking, right? You you pick something that's a little bit offbeat, uh, you drive the conversation a little bit, and you you get people to argue with you in the comments. That's that's how the that's how the money is made. That's how that's how you drive the traffic to the to the website. When they Joe when they chose Gulf Stroman last year, it was certainly all of them that yeah yeah i mean golf Strauman, as much as i like the food at golf Strauman, that was a strange i thought it was a strange choice last year it's down at uh i think it's down to 12 this year which makes a little more sense to me so you know right behind navy blue at 11 that that all kind of plays i i, I think if i were if i were doing this list i think i probably would have had navy blue in the top five and little's oyster bar somewhere in the teens and and an outstanding well, who would you restaurant. have for number one then? I'll put you on the I'll put you on the spot. No, I think it's Tatemo. I think I think my last meal at Tatemo kind of locked that in for me. I like it. With with the with the criteria that when Street to Kitchen moves into its new space, I have I, I think that, you know, if that lives up to expectations, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But if 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 the new Street to Kitchen kind of lives up to expectations and the ambitions of its owners. Then that that might be the sort of obvious choice next year. Agreed. All right. So let me so let me just ask you a couple more things, then we'll move on. Did you see anything on that in the top 100 that you thought was particularly unworthy of the selection that that just sort of got your your proverbial hackles up? Because no, I, I have I have, like that. I have one with a bullet. I, I okay, have one right. that I'm I, just offended by. Okay, well, you asked me for so nothing was really egregious in terms of what they put on there. Like, I didn't have any kind of horrific experience of like, what the hell is going on here? Um, I did kind of scratch my head at Roots Wine Bar. I mean, this is uh, a restaurant list. Wine bars have their own space, even if they serve a little bit of food. Is, is that is Roots really a restaurant? You know, uh, there's a lot of other places that worthy places that could have taken their spot. But, you know, I'm, I don't find myself, you know, up late at night texting nine friends about, you know, this incredible choice that, that how, how crazy it is. So, no, nothing really. It was more the omissions that that got me. But you go ahead. Yeah. I mean, Roots, Roots was definitely one that kind of caught my attention. Again, I've, I've been there a few times. I think they've got a nice little food program. I think the self-service wine thing is cool. I think it's a really nice hangout spot in the East End. But no, it never occurred to me that I was eating it one of Houston's very best restaurants when I was going there. And then the, the other one that just stuck out to me like a sore thumb is, is Bari. Becky Masson and I went there early and, and just had a meal with like fundamental cooking errors, things that weren't served at the proper temperature, things that weren't prepared properly. It, it was just kind of a, it was just kind of a disaster from start to finish. And and I, I acknowledge that it it was probably a better restaurant than what we experienced, but with so much good Italian food in this town to overlook so many accomplished restaurants. I just, I, I, that, that one really had me scratching my head. I do not understand Bari Ristorante as, as a top 100 Houston restaurant. Also, you're the, you're the barbecue guy. So there, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight barbecue restaurants in the top 100. 
Does that seem, that sounds like a lot of barbecue to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, as we all know, our, uh, you know, friend, uh, Chris Reed is a contributor to this list. So his influence is, is definitely felt here. And, uh, I think worthy of that. I think all the choices, it's like to me that the top level, those top five, that top tier are all represented here. You know, truth making the list, which I think is a worthy choice. Right. Truth, I, truth, truth is truth, the only one in the me, rank. I would, right. Truth is truth is ranked 10. That's right. the only I one in the, put, in the top 25. I would have put corkscrew in the top 25 also. You know, my experiences at J-Bar, you know, and I would like to be, you know, open that I did. I worked there and I left there. I've gone back several times. You know, uh, I get along fine with all those people. I didn't see them making the list. There's other places like Pinkerton's or Harlem Road or a few other places that I would have put in its place. But, you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over that necessarily either. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's roughly correct. I, you know, I think truth corkscrew killings i i'm i mean actually i said eight but it's nine because gatlin's is on the list too so truth corkscrew killings tejas blood brothers fijis jbar brett's and gatlin's nine and and yeah could you quibble with jbar and, and put in pinkerton's or the pit room or Ragels? you probably could but i think some of that comes down to to taste i like the ambition of jbar i think you know obviously they had that sort of pr nightmare when when willow and uh jasmine left early on but i think i think they've They've righted the ship somewhat. So I think, you know, if 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 that's what they if that's what the Chronicle likes in barbecue, if they kind of like that, you know, the combination of barbecue and steakhouse and how ambitious it is, then you know, I can I can respect that choice. All right, here's my here's my favorite part of this, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. I I have identified uh eight restaurants that I think could have been in the top 100. I want you to just tell me yes or no, whether you agree with me that these should be. These are these should be in the list instead of some of what is on the list. I want to start okay. with Candente, the Tex-Mex restaurant in Montrose. Yes. Ostia, the Italian restaurant in Montrose. Mm, yeah, I'm okay with no. Okay. Rosie Cannonball, Italian, Mediterranean inspired, the casual the casual companion to March. Yes. Kenny and Ziggy's, the quintessential Jewish deli. Yes. Il Bracco, Italian restaurant in the gallery area. I've had great meals there. I love it there, but I'm okay with no. Okay. Killen's STQ, Ronnie Killen's Live Fire Steakhouse, and also, uh, if we're being fully honest, uh, a restaurant that you work at. Okay, I work at, so an absolute yes. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> clearly someone came in and had a bad experience that I wasn't aware of, and I feel bad about that. You know, but like full front. Yes, I work there. So yes, all the way. <laughs> yes, I I agree with you. Uh, and then there, there's not really much pizza on the list. There's Tiny Champions and Cultivare. So I, I thought, what about Pizarro's, our our beloved Montrose pizzeria? Uh, Pizarro's is the best pizza in Houston. So yes. All right. And then last one, State of Grace, Seafood, Steak, Fine Dining, River Oaks. Uh I love the chef Bobby. I love the environment, but I'm okay with no. You know, sometimes you make you are making some tough choices, and, and even though I think the list you just listed, all these places are are kind of worthy in that respect. You know, I'm gonna have to go with no. Yeah, I think I think Candente is the most the most egregious omission because I, I think it's the best Tex-Mex restaurant in Houston, and I'm I'm just shocked that that you know we know we know Greg Morago, their their food editor, who announced he's retiring at the end of the month is a big Candente fan. We've seen him there 
I'm surprised that Greg didn't have the Greg didn't have the the spot for Candente on the list. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised too. I think of the entire list, other than STQ, uh, you know, I'm going to say Candente uh, also because it just not only is it great Tex-Mex, but they incorporated you know the, the smoked element and they did it. I think just flawlessly. All right, Fulmer, I'm going to say that does it for topic number one. Let us move on to topic number two. Kaiser Lashkari announced that he is opening Himalaya Culinary School in Sugarland to teach his signature recipes to amateurs and professionals. I talked to Kaiser quite a bit about this. Kaiser, Kaiser's had this in development for uh, several months, maybe even a year or more. And, and he has this vision of Himalaya is about to celebrate 20 years. He's He's thinking about his legacy and kind of perpetuating his legacy and that he's decided that the best way to do that is to start teaching people how he prepares Indian and Pakistani fare, starting with, you know, sourcing spices and and preparing them for the the various curries and sauces that he makes, and then all of the all of the little steps that go into dishes like, you know, fish masala, chicken hara masala, hunter's beef, all the all those classic dishes at at Himalaya. So, so let me just ask you. You're a, you're a pretty accomplished home cook. If we know that because we follow you at Fulmer HRU, where you're always uh, <laughs> showing off on Instagram all the delicious things you make. What do you think? Would you take uh, cooking classes from Kaiser Lashkari? Oh, I totally would. Absolutely. Particularly like that's out of my comfort zone. And, you know, it's it's he, he obviously has his reputation as solid in terms of like what his food, the quality of his food uh, and his you know, how he handles spice and then also how he's incorporated, you know, sort of local uh, gastronomic traditions into that, you know, doing chicken fried steak and fried chicken, things like that and doing it like really well. Like I like he has some of the best fried chicken in town. He has, I think, the best flan in town, like, you know, at a Pakistani place. Are you kidding me? Um, but what he does with, you know, his, you know, with his traditional foods there, you know, the vindaloo and the masala is yeah, I, I I would be all in. You know, the, like where where like where do people go? Like home chefs, you know, and people who are interested in, in in cooking. Where do they go for that? Yeah, I think they go to Central Market. I think they go to Sur La Table. I think I don't know. Maybe HCC exactly. has some classes, stuff like that. But I think, but but the quality, you know, and and I'm and I'm sure the quality of the instruction at at places like that is is very good, especially if you're an amateur looking to, you know, learn some recipes. But but none of them are as accomplished as Kaiser. So, you know, this is, I, I can't imagine that there's, there's got a, a very short list of people uh, in Houston or anywhere else who would be as knowledgeable when it comes to how to prepare these, these dishes as he is. Yeah. And as opposed to him, like guesting at one of those places, which they don't really do that often. Sometimes central market does not so much at Sir Um, uh, You know, I think it's a great idea. So, uh, you know, if it plays for the long run, you know, I- I'm going to support it. I-, I think it's an exciting choice. Um, it's something that's, you know, been, you know, proliferating in the barbecue world, to be sure. Uh, and when you see, you know, places like Goldie's, you know, or. Um, Leroy and Lewis in Austin's made a big deal about their class. Leroy and Lewis in Austin, classes. you know, consistently and, and charging like not, it's like it's not an inexpensive proposition, and their classes fill up. 
Now that's the world of barbecue. Uh, I, I'd love to see Kaiser become successful with this, and I would be certainly a willing participant and willingly pay for it. Yeah, I, I think he's got this idea of a six to eight week curriculum where you you know you'd go you know, every Sunday morning for a couple of months and he would sort of build, you know, he'd start you with the very, very basics and then kind of build you up as you go along because he he doesn't think it can be done, you know, in an afternoon. He he doesn't really want, he wants people who are serious and, and I respect that. And then the other thing I, I know he would want me to mention is that he's planning to donate uh, some of the proceeds to various local organizations that, that feed the homeless. It's, uh, he takes... Uh, hunger very seriously and he he wants to do his part to help feed hungry people and i have just a tremendous amount of respect for that well i, I think that's great i mean i've certainly never left there hungry no um no you will I'll, never leave I'll, Come on. I'll, 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 all right all levity aside that i think that's a, the interesting dynamic is you know everyone has busy lives um and despite maybe what you want to do you know can he get people to commit to that as a time thing you know time will tell that'll be for him to figure out week in week out but like is his reputation well you know established yes it is absolutely all right let's move on to topic number three as as i mentioned earlier street to kitchen has set november 11th as the opening date for their new location in the former cafe louis space they're going to more than double their seating capacity from about 40 people to about 100 uh with more people means a slightly bigger menu from Chef Benjamin Painter, who everyone calls Chef Chi, and a bigger wine and cocktail program from her husband, Graham. Former, let me just ask you, what are your what are your expectations for this new iteration of Street to Kitchen? I mean, there's nothing sure in this world, and the restaurant world is full of so many variables. You know, it, it's a difficult, even when you have everything in place. I've never seen anything that seemed like more of a like a potential home run than this, than doubling their size. I mean, it's been a meteoric rise. We haven't seen this kind of just like steady and incredible success since probably like the Blood Brothers since they launched, you know, the amount of, you know, press and adulation and well-founded for that matter. I think, uh, I think street to kitchen is certainly one of the best restaurants in town. Every meal I've had been, has been fantastic. And, I, it's I, the first couple of times I went there, I left there emotional, which is like, how does that even happen in a meal? <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Like, I don't even know how to articulate that. I mean, it's like, it's incredible. Um, and so I, I you know, I, barring like just egregious mismanagement that I don't see how it can't be successful because, you know, everyone I know who goes there enjoys it. Um, she's got the James Beard award. Uh, more and more people just want to go there. Their biggest problem, their number one problem is they just can't accommodate everybody. And that's a great problem to have. And this is the obvious solution. No, I, I think that's all well said. I, I agree with all of that. I'm, you know, we think about, you know, it was just three years ago, uh, the summer of, of 2020 when they opened in that location next to the gas station. And since it had been a, a fried chicken restaurant, they thought, oh, okay, then we need to, we need to do fried chicken for the neighborhood. And they, you know, that was a big, that was a big part of what they were doing. And, and, and very quickly they figured out that there was a real audience for chef cheese, you know, very traditional Thai dishes made with these like high quality local ingredients. And, and that they didn't, they didn't have to, they could, they could kind of follow their own muse. And, and they started out BYOB and then they got a, a beer and wine license and, 
and out of the wine program. And, and it's just, you know, it, it's just, it's built momentum and it's built momentum. And then, like you said, she won a James Beard award uh, this year, the, the first Houstonian to win best chef, Texas. So it, it's, it's just a, it's an astonishing, like a classic American dream kind of story that we don't, we don't see very often in the restaurant business. And, and so, yes, I think this, this bigger location it, as long as as long as it's managed well, as long as you know Chef G and Graham are are focused on maintaining their quality and and taking advantage of this opportunity, I I, I do think it will be it will remain in the mix as uh, for consideration as one of Houston's very best restaurants. And so I I can't wait to dine there. I mean I'm I'm excited to to go there next month and and have my first meal there. Yeah, I mean. This was never going to be a solid deal. They were, it was a hole. They were the classic hole in the wall in this kind of obscure spot on the east side. It was problematic to find, even with like Google Maps. Um, you know, to, sometimes it was, some people looked at it as like sort of a dicey part of town, depending on what time you were there. Um, but, you know, everything about them, what they said is like, we are going to be uncompromising in what we do. And they stayed the course and, like I think you summed it up really well. It's like this kind of great American success story. Uh, and who doesn't like that, you know? Uh, so man, uh, I'm excited and I will continue to support them uh, in every shape and manner, uh, you know, both by telling my friends to go there and supporting it with my own money. Absolutely. All right. Fulmer, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Michael, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Coastline Artisan Pizzeria. This is a new restaurant in First Ward. It's right there on Houston Avenue next to Cafe Brussels. They serve a couple of different styles of pizza. They do a pretty classic wood-fired Neapolitan and also a, a less traditional grilled pizza. Now, we were not able to dine there together, but we have dined there separately. So let me just ask you, what did you think of your meal at Coastline Artisan Pizzeria? Okay, so I've only been once, and I only had the, you know, the Neapolitan, the Napolitana, you know, pizzas. I tried a couple of those, you know, classic margarita. Um, uh, I talked with the staff, you know, and he actually, after discussion, you know, changed my uh, selection to a different one, which means, like, one, the staff knows what they're talking about with the menu. I had really good service. Was very knowledgeable as well and my pizzas were excellent like you know this is what you want from a neapolitan pizza is is that crust has just that little bit of char underneath it uh you know the fermentation is just right so that there's a little bit of chewiness to it you know it you see it you're you know i was sitting close to the their their oven so you see it you know come out in like 90 seconds and you know truth to you know to what what makes this work is like the, the quality of ingredients. I mean, that's kind of like the tenet of, of great Italian food is that it's not about uh, a lot of ingredients. It's not about complicated execution. It's about quality of ingredients and how, how you use them. And it, they seem to do a really good job. They didn't, it wasn't this overwhelmed with too many things. Everything seemed to complement itself. Um, I had something called the fresca, which had these roasted tomatoes on it, a little bit of arugula and goat cheese, 
Uh, instead of just, they did this little balsamic demi-glaze over it with some high quality prosciutto de Parma. Man, it was, I would go back for that every time. Uh, some simple shishisto peppers I had beforehand. They added a little bit of lime to it, a touch of Parmesan. So it was just this great beginning. But the thing that really, okay, I so I enjoyed the food. That's That's out there, all right? Okay. But it's the vibe that really got me. This felt like the kind of, like this is kind of like a New York uh, neighborhood place and, and not in the kind of sort of affectation. I didn't feel like I was in Epcot Center, you know. Uh, it just really felt very much like that. Like I want this to be in my neighborhood. Uh, I, and that speaks incredibly well. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think, I think, you know, there, I think that the nice part about their Neapolitan pizza is that it's not it's not necessarily like strictly traditional Neapolitan because you know Neapolitan like really traditional Neapolitan can be a little bit uh damp in the center right like it it has that kind of uh you know you definitely need a fork and knife to eat it and and they're cooking they're cooking their Neapolitan just a little bit crispier more in the kind of you know Crispianco tradition or or like what Angelo Emiliani does uh at angie's pizza and and it just that little extra crunch that that slightly extra doneness just makes all the difference uh for me in terms of my enjoyment of of the pizza and you know you talk about you talk about the atmosphere it it you know it's got these brick walls it's got this this kind of long narrow dining room it's got you know you can see the you can see the oven right there uh glowing away it's it's very appealing it's 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 just it's got a it's got a good energy to it. it it's got that kind of neighborhoody kind of quality where it just feels like you know people in the dining room kind of know each other um that i i really enjoyed and and i just think you know we we we're in a we're in a wave of of new pizza right that just we can't open you know we've talked about nonos and elro and and all these other places and 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 they all have their own merits but you know, and I, I think what Coastline is doing is is really special, and and I'm I'm glad we got to try it. I'm I'm glad it's open. I'm glad uh, I'm I'm a little bit jealous of all the pizza of all the people in in First Ward who can who can go there a lot more regularly than right? I would be able to. Right, but they like they deserve it because there's not a whole lot over there, and, and that speaks well to that. They have a great beverage program, um, and then you know, true to their Texas roots, you know, one of the uh, owners is good friends with Don Wynn of Koi Barbecue. Uh, you know, and we, uh, I, I talked to Don recently that he's, uh, you know, his, his, uh, offsite, uh, place where he smokes is, uh, you know, less than 10 minutes from there. Uh, and we are soon going to see uh Koi barbecue brisket, uh, on one of their pizzas. Yeah. On, on the grilled pizza, right. On the, on the kind of the, oblong, yes, not on the, not on the Neapolitan. And, and that makes sense. I don't think, I don't think the Neapolitan crust would, would hold up to the, uh, to the brisket, but, but, you know, but I did have, I did have one of the grilled pies and I will say, I really like it. It's, it's got a, it's got a nice crunch. It's got a, it's got a good texture. It's a little bit chewy in a good way. Uh, and it, and it's sturdier. And so, you know, they can do, you know, they call it the OG mozzarella, Italian sausage, pepperoncinis, ricotta, habanero, honey, basil, and tomato sauce, right? You can, you can pile stuff on there and, and the crust is sturdy enough to kind of stand up to it. So I, I like that. I like I like that you have both, right? I like that they're not just committed to one style and and they say that they're going to start doing uh monthly specials. They'll, you know, they may fool around with a Detroit or a 
New York or or some of these other uh, styles of pizza. So, you know, a lot of ambition for a little restaurant. And, and I think that's all to the good. Yeah, you, you you see the ambition there. I mean, they've even got a gluten. You can even get a gluten free pizza like to have to do a whole extra prep for gluten free is a pain in the ass. Like you have to keep it so separate. And that's a small place. But they're they're doing that. Uh, you know, and just offering it for a couple bucks more. And, and that speaks well. And like a lot of new places, particularly smaller places, you know, they, they don't take cash, you know, uh, that lowers the, you know, the issues of break-ins and problems where that's resolved. And increasingly we see that coming more in our society anyway, but that's a whole nother discussion. Um, yeah, I, I so have, like, would I, I have, be back? Right. I have, I have mixed feelings about that because I think it excludes people who don't necessarily like who rely on cash, but certainly, you know, the, the number of times that I, I pay for anything in cash other than tipping a valet is, is pretty rare these days. So, you know, I, I understand. And my restaurant. Valets now take, you know, Venmo and Zelle. Yes, they know? do. And I, and I avail myself of that frequently. Um, <laughs> all right. So as we say, was, so, hey, I was going to ask you, how was like, cause I didn't get to try it. How was the habanero honey? Because that was just like screaming to me. I wanted to try it so much and I'll be back for it. But what did you think? No, I, I liked it as a pizza topping. You know, sweet and spicy is always a good combo for me. So I thought it went well with the kind of the creamy ricotta and the uh, and the sausage. I thought I, and those pepperoncinis had a little bit of zip to them, too. So it all it all came together really well. I think I think the the toppings are pretty thoughtful. I think, you know, it's obvious that they put some effort into figuring out like what works on the different crusts. You know, as we always say, uh, the standard for us is will you go back? Absolutely. Me, too. All right. Michael, I'm going to say that does it for the Restaurant of the Week. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks for having me. That does it for today's show. Join me next time when I will be joined by Keith Jacoby and Leela Ortiz from the Hotel Lucine.